I'm going to start with a nice vote on Parshat Baloischu. Before I do so, I'm making chasna tonight, Sunday Baloischu, in Vision Sahol, in Borough Park on 53rd Street, and everyone's invited. That's from a Yule of Simchas. There's some soifer on the Pusik Vayishma Moisha, so Om Boichel Mishpachoisov. He says something interesting. He says there's a mitzvah to be makabal bahava and be soivel, any kind of tsar, any kind of agmas nefesh that a person has. Um, you know, something's not, not going the way a person wants it to. You thank Hashem, you accept it bahava. But that's only when it's about yourself, when it's about someone else. When someone else is the one struggling, someone else has something going difficult, some kind of yesidim or tsar or pain, challenge, struggle, whatever it may be. A person shouldn't say, okay, so we accept bahava, right? That's what we do. We believe it's all from Hashem, it's all good. No, you should be. Metzar Ulov, you should be mustatif in his tzar, and you should be mespaul, mekidus liboy. You have to make sure that uh, you're really caring for the other person. It's only when it's about yourself that you're supposed to see things a little differently and accept it, bahava, and not have, and not complain about it, and, and, and work on yourself to not not even be betzar. So he says that, but the Talinas in the midbar, when when B'nai Yisrael had all these problems and complaints in the midbar, the problem wasn't that they were complaining. If they would have been complaining because they were seeing that somebody else is struggling, that would have been okay. But they were complaining about themselves, and that was something that Hashem didn't want them to do. He says, the Boichel Mishpachoisav, Yishma Moishas, own Boichel Mishpachoisav, each person was complaining about his own family and his own situation and his own challenge, and that was something that, that Hashem didn't want. Um, but if they would be taking someone else seriously, you know, that, would, that, would, that would have been a lot, very different. So this is a very good lesson in life, in general, to know how to care for someone and see someone else's struggle and be more understanding and more validating and more accepting and on the contrary to be mispowered and to and to not just accept but not, you know just not, not just to care but to actually do whatever you could to make, to make it easier for someone else um, different than you would do for yourself and this is the double standard that I talk about every once in a while understanding that you could be more critical and more um, challenging to yourself than to someone else and very often people get into this mode of but it's not fear why do I have to do this? Why doesn't he? Why doesn't she? And the answer is that maybe that person does have to do certain things, but your job is to know how to see yourself and the other person in a different light. And just like when it comes to being mechazik yeramin and being mechabal bahava, whatever you see them or challenges, you know, same thing is with your own personal challenges and interpersonal challenges with other people. You know, demanding more of yourself and, and, and being the one to step up to the plate and do the right thing instead of demanding it of someone else and then complaining that, you know, why should I? That's, that's definitely... You know, a very different perspective, how to look at things. It could be the same issue, it could be the same problem, it could be the same, you know, the same tzar, but when it's someone else and it's you, it's a very different a very different story. So with that, let me just try to address the question and answer. I don't know if the answer will be to the question or not, but let's, let's try my best. Okay. Hello, somebody in my family recommended that I read your book after 15 years of a very difficult marriage. The book was a real game changer and shed so much clarity on the difficult inborn personality of the ultraviolet. It has helped myself and others to crack the difficult knot of trying to figure out what makes my husband tick, which is the first step. Now there's a lifetime ahead of putting it into practice in Mr. Hashem, but of course not easy, but at least we have a handbook now. I have two questions. Some of my children are also very sensitive. One is actually struggling in different ways, Yiddishkeit. Um, and then, with a younger child who's also not happy and thinks that everyone's out to get him, I so badly want to give him the tools to live life happily and eventually also be a productive, fulfilled, successful adult and husband. I always thought I needed to take him to therapy, which I'm happy to do. Does Rabbi Groom believe that therapy 
to get the right um, life perspective is a benefit, and if yes, what should be stressed to the therapist, or if therapy anyway won't help, what will? Aside from a compassionate, understanding mother, which he already has, he needs tools and some screws. It's way too hard to just watch him quetch through life, especially with the history of seeing in front of my eyes people who are constantly struggling with themselves and others. The book is great to help others get along with them. How can I help him get along with himself? Okay, that's one question. And another question I just recently found out from my brother, very gentle, soft-spoken, sweet soul, that is super successful and great image wife, is also a UV, and I used to, and although I used to have a good relationship with her, but now I'm so mad at her for making my brother's life miserable. The fact that she's so outwardly successful is even more annoying, since what, what good is it to have a great image if you can't be a normal wife? I was trying to be listening ear to my brother, and I heard a lot about what's going on over there, uh, along the lines of halacha. I guess my question also has a dimension of in it, but that's not what the focus is now. And then, um, she does elaborate a little more on her negative feelings about how people that are so um, sensitive and so emotional are so hard to understand, let's call it. I don't see them to be that, that beautiful um, personality that you describe in your book. I see them as being self-absorbed, I see them as being unaware of their own shortcomings, people who can't see past their own nose, hard to connect with anything um, that's not pleasant. And this definitely causes a lot of heartache uh, when I realize that these people are talking about themselves, thinking of themselves, they're so not interested in what I have to say, and things like that. Okay. I'm feeling at my wit's end. I don't feel I have any more koyach, and I can't always be the smarter one that has to deal with a spouse with silk gloves and be emotionally connected to him. And more of that. Okay. So, um, I don't know where to start. I'll start by saying this. I feel for you. I feel for everyone and anyone out there who is struggling, whether it's in marriage or it's with children or with any kind of personal challenges or anything like that. Um, I feel for you. I really do. Anything I say that might come across as, uh, forget about critical or challenging, but any, anything that I say that might not sound extra sensitive um, the way you're supposed to talk to somebody who's struggling and somebody in pain, um, I hope it won't be taken wrong. Um, first of all, I don't know who you are. And whatever I'm saying here is just for the benefit of the listeners and people who can learn from this. Um, but more than that, because you're the one reaching out, that's why I feel that you're the one who could, you know, who, who has to hear certain things. So I'm not, I'm not blaming you or criticizing you for anything. If, if I do mention anything, that might come across as challenging. I'm just, I'm just pointing that out. Another thing that I want to say is that I'm not going to be focusing just on your questions, but a little more on what you wrote about. So let me, let me start with this. I, I, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. Um, and, and that's what's giving me the liberty to um, take into consideration that you might be a difficult person yourself, for example. In other words, if I knew who you are, then I wouldn't say it even if it was true. Being that I don't know who you are, I could take the liberty of saying it even if it's not true. My point is that very often people notice how other people's sensitivities and other people's difficulties and other people's challenges are, are causing so much uh, havoc, wreaking so much havoc on their life, they don't realize where they contribute. And I, I've seen this many times close up. That's why I'm pointing it out. Not for you. I don't know who you are. But for people who might find themselves in this situation of, yeah, you're right, it's, it's that person's difficulty, this person's sensitivity, or this person's anything that's making it so hard for me. And it becomes very blatant, very clear where that person is struggling with their own emotional mess, let's call it, 
or their own hypersensitivity that, that they don't know how to handle well, but then you don't realize that you might have something similar to yourself. It's, it's sad to see people get into that mistake. But even if not, and even if you're a gentle, wonderful soul, who you don't tell me much about yourself, by the way, but which is fine, even if you're a Bahamas, and I'm not saying this to be cynical, even if you are a gentle and wonderful soul, who has never heard a fly, and is always there, or trying to be there at least for your spouse and your children, and you, and you deserve a lot of credit for that, by the way. Um, but another mistake that I like pointing out to people is that when you read a book, and you realize, and you figure out, whether it's reading my book or any book for that matter, that the person you're dealing with is, is, is a difficult person. The, really, the person you're dealing with is unreasonable, difficult, challenging, whatever you want to call it, they could, they could have BPD, or they could be bipolar, or they could, whatever, whatever it is that you realized and you became educated and you, and you found out that that person's a big problem. That doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have a part in a problem. Forget about the fact that you could have been doing the solution better. I don't mean that. I mean to say that it's so, it's so easy to notice how a challenging person is contributing most of the problem and then overlook the smaller parts or the smaller contributions that we all have in any given situation that we're involved in. I, I don't believe that it always necessarily takes two to tango, you know, and that whenever, whenever there's a conflict, both are equally at fault, let's call it. I won't say that. But then again, there's most often something that's being contributed from people on both sides. And, and very often, notice, noticing somebody else's difficulty uh, makes other people feel totally absolved and justified, and now I realize that it's all their problem. I hear this so often. People who decide because they're educated or because they found out or because they noticed or they, or they decided um, that this person who I'm dealing with is suffering from anxiety, from OCD, from, from PTSD, from anything, right? Now that I realize that this is this person's problem, so automatically anything and everything goes on in this house. And every time we have an argument, every, every time, it must be because they have a problem. It can't anymore be because I said something wrong because they have a problem. So if they have a problem, so why would I assume that I said something wrong? And that's something that, that has gotten many people into a very um, wrong way of thinking, which unfortunately doesn't help anything. Now, when it comes to sensitivity specifically, for those who don't know, this, this writer is referring to my book, Get Along With Everyone. And the premise of my book and the, thes- the main thesis of my book is that when you're um, in a relationship with somebody who's naturally hypersensitive, very many things, very many experiences, very many interactions are going to be interpreted emotionally in a very sensitive way and you take them wrong and that could cause conflict and it could cause conflict. It's important to remember a few things and I try to point it out in my book very many times, the Yiddish book and my English book. First of all, when somebody's wired sensitively, it's important to remember this is a natural thing. Natural means that they didn't choose it, they didn't, they didn't cause it, they didn't do anything to make this happen. Um, the fact that some, the fact that you're dealing with somebody who's so sensitive is not any more his fault than yours. I, I know it doesn't sound so uh, reasonable, but when you think into it, I mean, if you have a sensitive child, let's, uh, when it comes to a spouse, people start thinking, "Well, I could have married someone else." You couldn't have married someone else because that's who you're supposed to marry. But when you have a child, for example, your child's very sensitive. Getting frustrated at him for being sensitive is almost is almost like being um, um, frustrated at him for being a child. I mean, this is who he is, and this is what he is, and this is just what you're dealing with. It's like, being, it's like being frustrated with someone for being human and having feelings in the first place. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. The fact that not every human being has the same level of sensitivity is not something that he or you or anyone could control. It's very important to remember that. Um, now, it doesn't, it doesn't obligate you or put the blame on you for not knowing how to deal with it. I'm, I'm just... You know, it comes... It, acceptance, reality, re, reality demands acceptance. And when you accept it for what it is and stop thinking the person's being unreasonable and being unfair and how could she and why is he... When you start realizing this is what it is, it, everything just falls into place when it comes to acceptance. This is what I'm dealing with.
know, if you married a woman and didn't realize what a woman is, or you married a man, you don't know what a man is, and then you find out, and okay, okay, so now I know there are certain things I didn't know. And the same thing is when it comes to personality. It's very sad when people misuse this information and start using the fact that, oh, so now I know that that person dealing with is sensitive, so, so, so he has a big problem. So it's his problem. So this is a problem. It's not a problem. It's a personality. It's a normal personality. And it's not something that anyone is at, is at fault for. Another thing that I like pointing out to people um, is the fact that even if in any relationship you find out that somebody is more, let's call it to blame, or a bigger part of the problem, or a bigger reason for the problem, that might necessarily, that, that, might, necessar- that might sometimes be the reason that you're more of the solution that that person is. And so often when we don't, when we, when we don't know how to compartmentalize the problem and the solution, and figure out, oh, so I'm dealing with a child, and based on this child's perception and age and stage and environment, this, this child is now limited, and that's what's causing a problem, that might dictate that I'm part of the solution. Me being the parent, and me being the more intelligent one, and me being the more logical one, and the more advanced, and more mature, and more capable, makes me the solution. So instead of just seeing the problem, and, f- and venting, and getting frustrated over the problem, it's time to step up to the plate and realize, yes, that's, that's what I am. Why do I have to be the solution? Why do I have to take care of my kids? Why can't they take care of themselves? Or just because they're so young and they can't take care of themselves, that obligates me. I, I, again, I don't, I don't know if the word is obligating. It might, be a, it might be a privilege to be a parent and be able to care for someone. It might be, it might be a, a privilege you know, to be able to be there for someone else and understand someone better than they understand themselves and be a logical thinker and a more rational person. You know, I, I don't think it's a problem, but I do think it's, somebody that, it's, I do think it's something that should make people feel empowered. I talk about this often. You should feel empowered. Yes, I have what it takes um, to understand the situation good, to be rational about it, to deal with it logically, to not get overtaken by how I feel, to know how to understand someone else better, to know how to do the right thing and make this person feel good. That's very empowering. I, I think it's, it's something that we should all um, feel good about. And you know, when it comes to your brother, let me just throw this in as well, especially because you're mad. I, I, don't know, I don't know if you're more mad at your husband or your sister-in-law or who you're mad at but there's, there's no one to be mad at uh, I don't think nobody means anything bad first of all I think it's important for you to make sure that your brother's not getting those vibes from you that, you, that you're mad at his wife and making his life miserable that's not helpful to him or to her um, yeah he also needs a set of skills and he also should feel empowered and privileged you know to be able to deal with a challenge and this is something that um, you know, if only people would, would, would use correctly and very many people do, Baruch Hashem. I've sold thousands of books for a reason, and very many people have, have benefited from it. But feeling empowered, feeling good about, about what you could do, feeling good about the fact that you're not dealing with your own emotional, internal uh, mess and challenges, which is, which is very hard to deal with. At least you're dealing with someone else's. At least you're dealing with someone else's. People don't realize that. It's very hard to be overtaken with anxiety. It might be very hard to live with somebody who's suffering from anxiety, but it's, also, it's, it's probably harder to be dealing with anxiety. So just to just know how to understand, not to be upset at anyone, and know how to deal with people's challenges is already, is already very important. But let's take this a step further based on how you're, how you're writing about the situation. One of the rules in my book, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't read it for a long time. It could be the last one, um, chapter 14 I think it is, is don't, is, believe in your UV. Which means, if you're dealing with somebody who's very sensitive, no matter who it is, and you believe in them, and you see them as a good person, and you believe that they could be good, and you believe that they have a lot of good to offer, and you believe that any challenges or any difficulties or any shortcomings is only because they're overwhelmed by how they feel, but really they're good. 
you believe in, in what they're capable of, and you believe in how successful they could be. Your belief in them and the energy you're giving off does wonders. It's not magic, but it does wonders. Um, it's interesting because in emotional healing, which is something that I also do a little bit, uh, EFT, it's, it's so interesting to see how when people are in a conflict and one person resolves their own emotions about something, not the other person's, which there's, there's ways with EFT to work on someone else's feelings. But if you just focus on your own, somebody's upset at you and you focus on your own feelings about how you feel about that person being upset at you, it's, it's amazing to see how all of a sudden that person is less upset at you. The Kamaya and Punam Apunam, which we see, um, you know, Mamish, so openly, is something that's so important to, to realize and to, and, and, and to understand the effect of it. When you see somebody as being bad or negative or difficult or challenging or crazy or whatever, whatever words you have in your head, whatever it is that you say behind their back or you think behind their back, that has an effect on how that person feels near you. Again, my point is not to blame you. My point is not to make believe that their sensitivity is not natural. It's only because you're thinking that way. But it does have a big effect. And hearing you sound so negative about people who are challenged by how they feel or people that are making your life miserable even for that matter um, might, might have a lot to, uh, to do with, with the difficulties and the difficulty resolving and getting over um, a, lot, a, lot of this, uh, a, a lot of these feelings. This, this idea of pro- projecting some are familiar with, when you project on someone else how you feel about yourself. And some people will say, um, I, 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 I know you think I'm crazy. I know you think I'm crazy. So in the books that talk about personality disorder, they often use the terms projecting to explain how when somebody says, I know you think I'm crazy, it's another way of saying, I think I'm crazy. But I don't want to say I think I'm crazy. I'm going to tell you you think I'm crazy. I'm going to blame you for thinking something about me that I really think about myself. And I'm going to wait for you to tell me it's not true, and then whatever. It's just a mess. But what's interesting is that sometimes there's truth to it. In other words, sometimes it's intertwined and connected. The fact that I think I'm crazy and the fact that I think that you think I'm crazy has a lot to do with each other. Again, I'm not blaming you for thinking someone's crazy. But when you do think someone's crazy, they might pick up on that and they might feel crazy. And they might feel um, um, broken by it. They might feel put down by it. They might feel challenged by it. They might feel challenged by you. It's, it's, it's not so easy to hide how you feel about someone and unless you're going to start thinking differently or trying your best to think differently, at least not be consciously thinking things that are negative... You, you might notice how this has this has some negative effect and it makes it harder for other people. Just recently, I was, I was talking to Ingaman and he was he was sharing difficulties going on at home, and I, I understood his frustration. I, I I did. I really do, and I think people uh, feel that I really do understand them when they talk to me. I don't judge anyone, but hearing him talk about his wife as being retarded and crazy. And this is what she did. Is she normal? She's totally nuts. She's off her wall. She's, she's, so, she's so crazy, this lady. Every few sentences were being, you know, were being coded with this kind of, uh, you know, his descriptions of her and his opinions about her. And, and, and you want to know something? He was probably right. He was probably right. She was acting crazy, totally off the wall, you know, and, and just, just irrational, wacky thinking, you know, all, that, all those kind of words. They were probably right. A lot of them were very on target. And I could definitely uh, relate to why he was feeling that way if somebody's behaving the way he's describing. But so much of that reflects on, on how he sees her. So when she's saying something, and even if he doesn't say it, which he probably does say once in a while because it always ends up coming out, but just looking at her like, are you retarded? That, that those eyes and that feeling and that energy does something to someone. So my point is not to give you a musa shmuz about how you see your husband. My point is just to point out to you that 
the way you took some of the information of my book, which I hope that it did give you a handbook, and I hope you're doing a lot better than you did before, and, and, and I trust that you are. Baruch Hashem. Um, and you mentioned that you have another, another someone in the family who's very supportive and listens to you and everything else. You know, a lot of good things over here. Um, but, but you should know that so much of how you think about it and interpret this you know, is, is, it might be a big part of what you're seeing. Now, in general, let, let me just go to a different um, um, part of what you write and, and connect the dots. I mean, you've been through many years of a difficult marriage. And like I said, I feel for you. It's not easy. The fact that you're saying, I think that it's, uh, what is it, a year or two since you read my book and things are slowly looking different at least or whatever, that's wonderful. It's so easy, however, to get stuck in the negativity and keep on remembering the pain and the trauma and the difficulties and all the hardships that you've been through and as well as noticing all the difficulties in the day-to-day you know, interactions that make it hard to really move on. And again, this is not your fault. But what happens is when somebody notices it and every few minutes or every few days when, when your husband says the wrong thing, it's like, oh, here he goes again. Look at that. Wow, this book is amazing. I mean, this book shows me why he's doing it. This guy's crazy. Now I see. He's totally irrational. If you see things that way, besides the fact that you're making him feel stuck or feel bad about himself, and something making anything happen better, you're sticking to the negativity and the past. Instead of being more hopeful and more optimistic and noticing all the good and, and, and applauding yourself and, and commending yourself for every good thing you could bring out of someone. Now, I don't know if when you talk to your relative who is very understanding of you, you know, if you're harping on the past or you or you just need a lot of validation and somebody to listen to you, you know, because you're dealing with such major challenges, and you are, and you are. But if you could use the time at least also to share the successes and talk about the good and see the good in your husband and notice where he really is trying and see how, you know, with all his limitations, he still is a good person that wants to be good and notice how when you do the right thing, wow, he responded well, I feel so good, I feel empowered and I'm noticing the good and I'm not just getting frustrated. Okay, so when I say the compliment, that's when he... No, no, no. When I say the compliment, that's when he came across. Wow, it worked. I'm so happy. I see the good in him. I see that he wants to do this. Being optimistic and hopeful and focusing on the good in the other person and the good in the situation that's getting better and the good that you're anticipating and, and hoping for and aspiring for, you know, that, that's definitely something that could change a lot. And the saying that the, the present is a gift, that's why it's called the present. You know, so often people are so stuck in the past or even so stuck in the future, an optimistic future of, I can't wait till it's really good, but now it's not. And they lose out so much of the present moment, so much of the opportunities, and so much of the capabilities, so much of so many things that could have been done better. And and you know that's that's definitely a shame. I, I do think you might you might need to talk to somebody, but make sure you only talk to somebody, whether it's a therapist or anyone, only somebody who's going to encourage you, only somebody who will point out to you how good your husband is, only somebody who will make you feel better about your marriage. Don't talk to somebody who's going to keep on validating whatever negativity. I've seen this so many times. And I, I I've still been, I've, I'm still seeing this ongoing. Um, where somebody will go to a therapist and the therapist is well-meaning. Well-meaning. I'm not talking about a therapist who's adding you know, those negative and, 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 and challenging feelings. I'm just, just trying to listen, but not knowing how to slowly shift the focus and see the good and, and bring out the best of each of you. It's nice to feel validated. It's wonderful. I'm happy that you have someone to talk to, but, if that, but it's not encouraging you to see things differently and to make people around you feel better. And to feel empowered about how much you could do to help your situation. Instead, you're just getting resentful about how much is falling on you to do. You know, this is, this is not something that's, that's helpful. And, and you should know the same thing as you and your brother. You don't want to be the one to point out to your brother his wife's deficiencies just to make him feel good. 
or the one to keep on listening to him complain or kvetch or slip it out of him so that he feels better because he has someone to talk to. In the meantime, things are getting worse because he's just noticing more and more of his wife's shortcomings. I mean, aside from not being mad at your sister-in-law because I don't think she's she's um, at fault, let's call it, for having these difficulties or challenges, but I think you want to do what you could do to make other people feel good about themselves. You and your brother, join forces. Let's talk, let's compare notes every day. What did you do good in your marriage today? How did you make your spouse feel good? I'll tell you how I made my husband feel good. I'll, I'll point out to you the good things my husband did, which I'm so impressed. It's beautiful. Don't say it in a negative, cynical uh, way, uh, you know, uh, 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 sarcastic, like, wow, I can't believe he actually did me a favor. No, he did me a favor. It was very nice. I don't think he wanted to, do, but he really did. It meant a lot to me. Did your wife do something nice today? Maybe the two of you could join and be positive and see the good in other people and feel empowered that you're the ones that could help people who might be more limited than you are. It, it's very possible. Uh, one more thing you just asked me about the kids and the therapy. Again, it's always case by case and it's hard to say and if therapy does or doesn't help, it's, it's up for everyone out there to decide and to figure out based on their own experiences. Some do, some don't, obviously. Um, but is that the answer? Very often I see people using therapy and medication or whatever it is to, to try to change people and that's not happening. It's when you accept people who they are and you really do love them and you, and you help them believe in themselves and feel good about themselves that's what sets them on the right track. Then, if somebody's there to teach them skills, especially when they're ready for it or they ask for it, you know, if somebody's there to, to boost them and you know, enlighten them with different things that they may have not known, that's very helpful. But it's clear that uh, so much really has to do with helping people feel good about themselves. And when they're not feeling good about themselves, there's no one to talk to. You can teach them skills from today till tomorrow that those emotional blockages are so often getting people stuck. There's that famous story of Rav Zisha. I'll end with this. Um, Heidegger Rav Zisha was stuck in the mud and he turns to Shemayim and he says, Hashem, I, I know you want me to do tshuva. That's why you got me stuck in the mud. But I can't do tshuva and I'm stuck in the mud. Get me out of here, I'll do tshuva. And obviously it was just a mushal to explain how sometimes when a person is dealing with a difficulty, they can't do the things that they know they have to do. And that's why when it comes to sensitive children, when it comes to sensitive adults, if you could do what you could do and feel good about doing what you could do to help people feel better about themselves, feel better about, about how you feel about them, feel better about how capable they are, how wonderful they are, how gifted they are, you know, what, a, what, a, what a benefit they are in the relationship, how much you need them and, and respect them. And, you know, when you do that for people, that, that enables them to now learn skills and do things better, and you should feel good about it. They should feel good about it. See the good in each other and live together.